Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. By MinnowsPlus.com. From baits to waiters, if it helps you catch a fish, they have it. And now, from the short grass, here is your host, Trey Shap. Welcome to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Shap. Glad you are with us. How about Colin Morikawa winning the British Open, coming from behind to do it? He shoots a final round 66. He finishes at minus 15, 265. Shot 67 in his first round, 64 in his second round, 68 in his third round, and then that final round, 66. All rounds at 68 or below for Colin Morikawa. Jordan Spieth finished second at minus 13. John Rahm and Louis Oosthuizen tied for third at minus 11. And Dylan Fratelli rounded out the top five at minus nine. Some other notables, Brooks Kepka finished tied for sixth. Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler finished tied for eighth. A little bit closer to home, the 48th annual Maumel Classic took place over the weekend at Maumel Country Club in Maumel, Arkansas. Palmer McSpadden is your champion. Shot a first round 68, followed that up with a round two of 69 for a total of 137. That is minus seven. The event, slated to be a 54-hole event, had to be shortened Due to the torrential rains that hit Maumel on Saturday, the course was in unbelievable shape leading up to the tournament and played that way on Friday. And then the heavy rains came Saturday and the course played a little bit slower. Congratulations to Palmer McSpadden. He's having a heck of a summer. The UCA sophomore-to-be and the nephew of a good friend of mine, Roy McSpadden, who lives in Russellville, Arkansas, Also qualified for the U.S. Amateur earlier this summer. That will be played at Oakmont Country Club in Pennsylvania in the month of August. Francois Jacobs of League City, Texas, finished second, one shot behind Palmer McSpadden. Matt Webber of Broussard, Louisiana, tied for third with Blaine Calhoun of Ward, Arkansas. Tyler Reynolds finished in a tie for fifth with Caleb Miller. Reynolds and Miller both shot three under par. Looking at the Arkansas State Golf Association men's player of the year standings, Tyler Reynolds has solidified himself on the top. 530 points for him, followed by Chris Jenkins of Little Rock, 225 points. Will Gibson of Jonesboro has 178.5. Derek Smith of Rogers, 175. And Palmer McSpadden, 165 with his win in Maumelle, his win to qualify for the U.S. Amateur has him with two firsts, and so he has 165 points in the player of the year's race. But it looks like Tyler Reynolds might be running away with the title this year. 
Coming up on From the Short Grass, we are going to have a Zoom interview with Bill Rogers, the 1981 Champion Golfer of the Year. That year, it was played at Royal St. George's. Looking forward to get his thoughts after this. I want to thank Blackman Auctions, one of our great sponsors of From the Short Grass. Blackman Auctions, they've been doing it since 1938. Better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Go to their website, blackmanauctions.com, to find out when an auction is coming near you. We're back after this. Stay with us. Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of SureLife products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. Me sponsoring a golf show is great irony. I've been a phenomenally bad golfer for 30 years. I don't know the difference between a penalty area and a bunker. I like it, but I'm really bad. You listen to this show and to Trey because he's a great golfer and knows the game backwards and forwards. I know auctions like Trey knows golf. I've been a professional auctioneer for 30 years. I know auctions. Trey knows golf. Listen to the correct expert. Call me to learn about auctions, not Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to From the Short Grass. Bill Rogers, the 1981 champion golfer of the year, is going to join us via Zoom. So in customary open championship form, on the tee from the USA, Bill Rogers. Well, Mr. Rogers, thanks so much for joining me on From the Short Grass. What a treat to sit down and and talk with a, a champion golfer of the year of 1981. What do you remember about your trip to Royal St. George's? Well, Trey, it was 40 years ago, so my memory, I mean, <laughs> it, it isn't what it once was. But, um, you know, it's something that you obviously, you know, you, there's no way to forget it. I, I'm reminded often, be it friends or autograph seekers or whatever, of uh, what happened 40 years ago at Royal St. George's. And obviously this year, uh, returning, I always take special interest in in seeing what what's going to take place at uh, at this venue. And it's fun to watch the players as they navigate the golf course. I mean, I can sense pretty much uh, what they're going through emotionally and certainly strategically. And you know that makes it uh, I think extra special. Does it look on TV like it did when you played it? I think so. I'm. I'll be honest. I didn't keep up with uh, too much of kind of the the ongoing narrative about this year's open meaning as it relates to tea changes or any nuances. I, I have a sense that there wasn't too much change in the golf course. I'm sure they added a little length here and there. I know, uh, what was it, the fourth hole played 500 yards, you know, it's probably 450 when we when we played it. You know, I do know that they caught an unbelievable uh, year with weather and that had everything to do with uh, – probably the scoring, no doubt. Weather's always a factor. And the thing about Royal St. George's, I I thought it was a very difficult golf course. Uh, it had, Quirky had certain little uh, a personality uh, about it that kind of kept you off balance. I went back and looked at the uh, 81 video that the Open Championship put out, and I noticed that I don't think there was a day when you were in short sleeves only like the guys were this past weekend. 
No, I think that uh, didn't they say the last day it was 85 degrees? Yeah, I mean, that's a heat wave. It's an absolute heat wave, and uh, I'm sure there are a lot of English fans nursing sunburns uh, th- this week. You know, trying to figure out how to deal with that. But I happen to not that you asked this question, but I would tell you as it relates to weather. I happen to draw good the week of uh, the 81 open. I had an early morning Thursday tee off time and uh, the afternoon got pretty hairy. But you know, if you play enough years, you're going to catch the good one. um, And next time you might uh, get dealt the wrong weather pattern. So you just play. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt about that. 1981, you shot 72 in your opening round, 66 in round two. You were 138 through the first two rounds. 81 players made the cut that year. That's a lot. Yeah, it, it is. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, um, I might have heard that before, but I wasn't aware of it. Uh, I think I can remember it seemed to be a large field uh, for the weekend. And then you had a five-shot lead after 54 holes, and then your tee shot on 18 the final day on Sunday landed in the rough. You had a short pitch to the green with your third. After you see your ball land on the green, did you kind of relax a little bit and be like, okay, I think I can get home now? Yeah, that's it's all over then. I, but not until then. I can promise you, you never – there's been too many circumstances, too many – uh, things that have happened at the wrong time, you know, major championships. We all know the stories, but yeah, it wasn't until that third shot landed on the green. And frankly, the drive really somewhat upset me. I've got a four shot lead, but by all rights, you feel like you can get it in, but I wanted so much to be able to play my second shot all the way to the green. So I could experience the, you know, after having hit the second shot, kind of navigating through all the people trying to get their place in the lineup short of the green, of which that was pretty interesting, uh, to be honest with you. In the video I watched, I think one of the guards stopped you. They didn't realize that you were Bill Rogers leading the Open Championship and about to win it. That's right. My caddy uh, popped out of there, and I was kind of in in his vicinity, and I come through in, in the bobby. So the policeman puts his hand in my chest and just had to ask him, please let me go finish this last hole. I, I, I won't, I won't bother you anymore, but it was a, uh, it was a cast of thousands trying to get their place in line. It was kind of, it was a little bit nervy to be honest with you. 25,000 pounds is what you want. Oh yeah. Big payday. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think they would be playing for what they are nowadays? No way you could ever have imagined that the game has evolved so well in so many different respects, but I think as we entered this modern day era of golf, I think there's one person that you, not that the foundation hadn't been laid by the Palmers, Nicholas's players, Watson's, but uh, singularly Tiger Woods probably quadrupled not only everybody's pocketbook, but tour prize money, everything. And well, uh, it, he should have because uh, of his tremendous ability and success and what he did for the game and prof- did for professional golf. So you know that life as you knew it changed uh, immediately after holding the last putt. Not only are you the open champion, but you're the world's open champion and they want to see you. And uh, I didn't disappoint. I went to every corner of the earth uh, trying to uh, show the world that I was the open champion, but also collecting that almighty dollar. I, I probably got a little too close to that. What did you have out of the claret jug? Oh, we had a little sip of champagne, no doubt. And then when I got home, I played the next week at uh, Williamsburg in Virginia at the Anheuser-Busch tournament. Then I was home the next week and 
uh, we wore it out pretty good. Probably more beer entered the jug than uh, any kind of whiskey or champagne, but we certainly had some fun with it. What was the reception like when you came back to the States after winning in 81? Well, it was wonderful. I'll tell you, I was on a, when they had the Concorde, I was able to fly that back with British Airways and man, from the pilots to the stewards, everybody, you know, they knew who the open champion was. And we passed everybody, got to hold the cleric jug, all the passengers. They actually let me sit up in the cockpit for takeoff and landing, you know. That was that was before they did away with the Concorde. Yeah. But uh, that was the start of the highlight reel. But, you know, America was great to, uh, you know, an American winning the open championship was special. And uh, it started at Williamsburg. They were uh, were awfully nice in receiving me. And then when I got home, all my friends, family, and those that had, uh, you know, made it all worthwhile to happen, uh, that's where we really, uh, really got after it. Let's go back. You were born in Waco, Texas. You moved to right. Texarkana, Arkansas. You grew up there, played for the Texas High golf team. What do you remember about growing up in Texarkana? Uh, my dad was an Air Force guy, so we lived all over the world. But he retired in Texarkana. Just as a 12-year-old, I had good ability and talented. My father and brother were good players, and I kind of followed their lead and, and loved the game. The first time I ever picked up a golf club, I could do it. Uh, there was a East Texas golf pro named Jerry Robinson, the pro at our the, the country club where I grew up. He really turned me from a golfer into a player. I loved to compete. I hated to lose and I loved to win, you know, that type deal. A lot of people were pulling for me, a lot of, uh, a lot of support. And then when I went to the University of Houston, uh, that's where I really began to refine and kind of hone my uh playing and competitive skills. And, you know, after getting to school, uh, the dream was to make the tour. And fortunately, I was able to do that right out of school. Yeah, you also competed in the Ryder Cup. What was that experience like? Well, as much as people like to somewhat define my career by, you know, the Open Championship, the, the Ryder Cup, the team I played on it that was captained by Dave Marr, PGA champion, was arguably the best team ever put together. And even since, you know, from the likes of Nicholas and Trevino and Watson and Johnny Miller, uh, Hale Irwin, Crenshaw, Kite, Larry Nelson, uh, Bruce Litsky. I often look at the picture and say, what in the heck? What was I doing there? I mean, how did I make that team? Of all the years to pick to have kind of uh, really had an, an outstanding uh, year, that was one because I got to enjoy uh, playing on that team and representing my country, and we were uh, uh, successful. You played so much. Did you play too much? Yeah, no, no doubt. Good, Trey. I'm uh, glad you brought that up. Sure, no doubt about it. Uh, and I, as I mentioned earlier, I really, be, you know, kind of idolized and fell in love with the almighty dollar. And I was going to, you know, uh, you're hot. We had to travel a lot in that day and time to make the good money. And heck, I didn't, uh, I didn't say no once. I don't think I went for it. And ultimately, I lost a little bit of the uh, fire. And you've got to want it. Uh, for a lot of lot of reasons to pay the price to stay at the top, and I lost uh, lost my edge and really the desire to pay the price. And heck, I was uh, you know in 1981, I was out of the game at the end of 1988. So that's seven seven which was uh, I look back, I have no regrets whatsoever. 14 year nice run, uh, professional golf served me well, and I look back on it with the greatest of memories. Colin Morikawa, seeing what he did this past weekend and what he's done in just the past year 
has to be impressive. Very special, very special. I really thought, however, Jordan Spieth was going to win that tournament, and he has just such an uncanny knack of always hanging around. He can look so awkward, and then he can be unbelievably brilliant. It's high entertainment is what it is watching him, but back to Murakawa, we we may be seeing the uh, really a very special talent. I cannot believe the important putts he made on the last six or seven holes. And maybe it was even the last nine holes, but golly, he is a major champion. The prototypical look of a major champion. I think we're going to see tremendous things out of him in the next half dozen to dozen years, no doubt. Well, Mr. Rogers, I go back to the tee shot that he hit the PGA at Harding Park when he drove the green and was able to eagle that hole. I mean, he hit it to about eight feet is what it looked like. If memory serves me correct, that was last September, I believe. That shot alone right there to to come from behind and win, just like he did this past Sunday over Louis Oosthuizen. Absolutely a defining uh, marker, a defining shot in his career. You know, that's the reason we play the game. You know, it could be the next shot that just absolutely can turn it on. And, you know, an athlete just wants a chance. And uh, he took a risk. And and when he hit that driver at the PGA and made Eagle, I think we'll always maybe look and define his, the beginning of his career with that single shot because it was special. You know, it, it set him on a, a great course. Do you think the engraver had a more difficult time engraving <laughs> your name into the claret jug or Colin Morikawa. Yeah, that's a whole lot of letters and lines and etching to go on, but he he uh he got it done. Take me to the ceremony in 81, right there on the 18th green. They announce you as the champion golfer of the year and you hold that claret jug for the first time. Yeah, it's overwhelming. I, I would have to say that uh, you know, certainly the first one uh, being a major champion. And then to hear those words, uh, champion golfer of the year, they'd probably take the trophy away from me if they knew how little I really understood the history of the game. I mean, I was kind of like a lot of players. I knew bits and pieces, but uh, be that as it may, I knew enough to hopefully be humble in victory. And one thing I do remember distinctly is because the fans over there are just so knowledgeable about, I'm not saying that the American fans are, but these people, it's their sport and uh, they really, they really understand it. And so I was very appreciative for the support and, uh, that I got from them as are all the players, but that really uh, as much as anything kind of stuck out in my mind and uh, heck you're so overwhelmed with um you're exhilarated, but at the same time relieved that you pulled it off and it's just a, the place you'd, you'd, you'd want to be. I mean, uh, I just relish the time. Mr. Rogers, thanks so much. And before I let you go, I need to thank Art Romero, the head golf pro at Texarkana Country Club, yeah. kind of helping facilitate this. Jay Fox, the executive director of the ASJ, said, hey, you should try and get Mr. Bill Rogers on and Art can try to put you in contact with him. So, I want to thank Art. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, This has been a real treat and just a perfect week to do it and have you on right after the championship that Morikawa won 40 years ago. You won at the same place. Yeah, well, you're kind to have me, Trey, and uh, y'all stay the course and uh, appreciate everything you do for golf. And again, I, like you, thank Art for uh, putting us together and anytime I can do anything for you, let me know. 
Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of SureLife products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. Me sponsoring a golf show is great irony. I've been a phenomenally bad golfer for 30 years. I don't know the difference between a penalty area and a bunker. I like it, but I'm really bad. You listen to this show and to Trey because he's a great golfer and knows the game backwards and forwards. I know auctions like Trey knows golf. I've been a professional auctioneer for 30 years. I know auctions. Trey knows golf. Listen to the correct expert. Call me to learn about auctions, not Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to From the Shortgrass. It's time for our weekly rules segment with Adam Carney, our PGA Master Professional. He will join us in just a second. I want to tell you about Minnows Plus. Minnowsplus.com. They have bait and tank supplies, airflow meters, air pumps, nets, scales, thermometers. If you need it, they have it. Minnowsplus.com. Now on the tee, Adam Carney. Adam. Uh, the ball has come to rest in the middle of the cart path. And my options are what? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is don't pick up the ball first. That's the the first rule of thumb. I mean, people will go, oh, I'm going to get relief. I'm picking this ball up. Um, we're going to establish what we call the nearest point of relief. So when we establish the nearest point of relief, the first the, the nearest point of relief is – the position on the golf course that affords you complete relief from the obstruction in this case, which would be a cart path, which is immovable. Um, so to establish that, we're going to take the club we'd likely use if the obstru- obstruction did not exist. So let's say, for example, I had 143 yards to the hole and I would hit a nine iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, now I'd probably hit an eight iron, but <laughs> you know, so I'm going to use that nine iron because that's the club I would likely use if the condition was not there. And that's what I'm going to use to fairly take a stance. Um, and so I'm going to go to both sides. So the nearest point of relief is going to differ based on really one determining factor. And that determining factor is the player right-handed or left-handed. Um, so, you know, if I'm right-handed, it may be to the fairway side of the cart path. If I'm left-handed, it may be to the rough side of the cart path, depending on which side of the, the, of the fairway cart the path, path is on. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the reason I say don't pick up the golf ball is because a lot of people will automatically assume that they're going to get relief from the cart path toward the fairway. Um, if it's in the dead center and I'm a right-handed player and the cart path is running down the right side, um, it's pretty likely that I'm going to be able to drop that ball, you know, towards the fairway. Um, however, if it's not in the center, maybe it's more towards the right side of the cart path. Again, the cart path running down the right side. My nearest point of relief may be away from the fairway towards the rough side. Well, let's just say that runs along a line of bushes. 
and my nearest point of relief is, is in, in the, the middle bushes. of the bush. Um, I'm going to play it off the cart path before I stick it in there and have to declare it unplayable. So, you know, it's one of those things where we say, okay, hey, look, before you go up there and go, oh, I'm on the cart path, I'm going to get relief, pick it up, you don't want to do that. You want to first determine your nearest point of relief. So once sure. you've determined that nearest point of relief, now you're going to get one club length, not closer to the hole, and you're going to drop it within that one club length. Another scenario for you. I've got my ball, and it's behind a tree, but there's a cart path that runs to the right of that tree. Mm-hmm. I'm a right-handed golfer. So normally I would be standing on the left side of the ball right. to swing, but to get to the hole – I've got that tree in my way. So if I were a left-handed golfer mm-hmm. and I stand on the left side of the ball, I could get the ball towards the hole. Right. So now my intention is to play left-handed. Right. But my feet are on the cart path. Right. So we, we get that a lot. Um, and so, you know, relief from that obstruction can be denied um, if it's if the stroke the player is intending to use is um, abnormal or it, it not likely to you know f- for for example like my ball's up against a tree okay and it's I mean let's say it's just dead flat up against that tree and my heels are on the cart path well as an official I'm going to walk in and say let me ask you something if 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 that cart path wasn't there and your ball was there up against that tree. What would you do? Well, I can't even get a club on it, so I'd declare it unplayable. Then I'm going to tell you you need to declare it unplayable. So you can't get free relief from an obstruction when it's clearly unreasonable for you to play the stroke that you're saying you want to play. So to your point, you may get in a situation where we come in in the same similar situation, and you say, you know what, I'm up against this tree and I want to hit it out in the fairway because the fairways say to my right, and I'm a right-handed player. And I say, okay, well, what, what do you, what are you thinking you you would do here? Well, you know, honestly, I think I can turn the sand wedge upside down and chip it out towards the fairway and get the ball back in play. And but when I do that, my heels are on the cart path. Well, now that's a reasonable stroke. Okay, I mean, I'm not saying I could pull it off or you could pull it off, but it's it's reasonable to assume. Sure. We've seen it happen. So now, for a reasonable stroke, he has interference from that cart path, the immovable obstruction, and he's going to get relief from that cart path, but he has to take relief in the same manner that he was taking. So right. he must use the club that he intended to use. Let's just say it was a sandwich. He has to use the left-handed stance. And so we're going to measure, not close the hole, find the nearest point of relief, measure one club length, drop balls and play. Now he can play any shot he wants. He may have a clear shot at the green now. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are situations where the rules can be advantageous, not advantageous. We, I've seen that. I had one of those. Um, I was running a junior event. The uh, used to be the Big Eye Youth Insurance Classic. I don't think it exists anymore. But um, we had a situation where a player's ball literally kind of came into this area of tree roots and this tree roots formed a bowl and we'd had rain night the night before and this i mean it was a deep bowl it was probably three inches the tree roots were above the ground and his ball comes to rest in that but because we'd had the rain there was casual water inside that little bowl right and uh this is one of those where i don't like parents on golf courses but um you know he said hey 
I got casual water here. And I'm like, okay. I said, let me ask you something. What, if that casual water wasn't there, <laughs> what would you do? And he said, well, I, I'd have to declare it unplayable. And I said, well, that's what you're going to have to do. And that you know, parent comes in and says, no, 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 no. He gets relief from casual water. I'm like, no, it's, it's not reasonable. He, you know, you can't take advantage of the fact that, you know, you sure. got an accumulation of water in that little bowl. If it wasn't there, he'd be declaring it unplayable. So, um, I think that's, that's one of those things where, you know, we, we get into decision-making process where the player's got to give us some information, um, on what his intent is, what he wants to do. And then we can determine whether or not he's going to be entitled to relief. Yeah. He's the, uh, guru on the rules of golf. Adam Carney, our PGA master professional here on from the short grass. If you've got a question, uh, that you don't understand a rule or something that came up in your last round, email us from the short grass at gmail.com and we'll get it answered. A quick shout out to former Razorback golfer, Taylor Moore. He shot a career round and a course record 11 under par 60 last Saturday. And then Sunday, the 27 year old held off Eric Barnes to earn his first corn Ferry tour win at the Memorial health championship presented by LRS. He also secured his first PGA Tour card in the process. That's back-to-back weeks that a former Razorback has won on the Corn Ferry Tour. That will do it for this edition of From the Short Grass. Before we go, I leave you with this golf quote from Phil Mickelson. A great shot is when you pull it off. A smart shot is when you don't have the guts to try it. I hope you enjoy your next round on the golf course. And remember, when you're on the green, Fix your ball mark and a couple of more, and I hope to see you from the short grass. You've been listening to From the Short Grass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. From the Short Grass is brought to you by MinnowsPlus.com and Blackman Auctions. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.